Thank you, thank you, thank you. I promise I will try not to use too many corny jokes. That is a lie. Okay. I'm also going to try to hold this mic at a good distance because our sound person is Casper today. And uh, so there's no one back there if I get too close and make you guys feel like I'm being loud. So, um... For those of you who don't know me, which I think most everybody in the room does, but if you don't, my name is Cody. I lead worship here. I don't normally speak here. I'm very new at this, um, so bear with me on some things. But I actually want to talk to you guys tonight on, I'll tell you in a minute. I'll tell you in a minute. I actually want to show you um, some memes that I thought were funny, (laughs) just because who doesn't love a good meme? Uh, So let's put up this first meme, and I can't read it from back there. How I look at God after he speaks words of life and love over me. <laughs> Do any of you feel that way when someone gives you a word or, or the, the Lord just speaks to your heart and you're like, I just want to cry. Okay, let's hit the next one. Me listing for Jesus all the reasons I should be exempt from loving my neighbor. <laughs> oh, Lord, bless those who have less than nice neighbors. So that actual, that last one actually hits home because I'm going to talk to you guys tonight about keep your love on. And some of you in this room, you've heard that before. I wish I could say, man, I came up with this awesome, awesome saying about keeping your love on. But I didn't. I totally stole it from Danny Silk. So Danny has a book called Keep Your Love On. Um, he has a series called Keep Your Love On. If you're curious about it, look it up. It's great stuff. Danny has super solid stuff. Uh, but I'm not going to teach on anything that he teaches on tonight. I just stole the title because it fit, and I didn't have to come up with something creative. So we're going to talk about keeping your love on, which I think is very relevant for the day. It's relevant all the time. I mean, you guys, how many of you uh, have read the Bible? <laughs> parts, any part of it, maybe not the whole thing, but any part of it, yeah, okay, um, then odds are you've heard the word love and heard scriptures about, you know, God commanding us to love, so I actually, I'm going to put this in the floor, because that way I can kick it over instead of just rolling it around, um, okay, so I want to read, I'm going to, I'm normally not a fan of just like picking one scripture and just bouncing through all of them. I, I normally don't like my, God doesn't work in my brain that way. It normally like I'll read a scripture and I'll, or I'll read a passage and he'll I'll go back and reread it and reread it or or just get something out of a passage of scripture rather than searching on one thing. But I want to do this to make a point about how we are called as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as children of God to love people well. So I'm going to bounce through about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight scriptures really quickly. Um, I'm going to start with Romans 13, 9, and I think Leslie's going to have them behind us uh, if you guys can keep up. But um, Romans chapter 13, verse 9 and 10 says, For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. And then there's, I'm just going to, I wanted to read that one out of my Bible because I wanted to show you that even though I'm a millennial, I do prefer my paper Bible. 
as, as some of you would find that hard to believe. Uh, but I just want to bounce through some of these. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. John 13, 35 says, for you, your, excuse me, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Leviticus 19, 18, because I wanted to also pull something from the Old Testament, just for those of you who like it. Uh, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I thought that was kind of interesting because whenever I think of the term, whenever I hear love your neighbor as yourself, I think of what Jesus commanded in the New Testament. And I don't know why that interested me to find it in in Leviticus in his translation that it said it that way. Um, And the last one I'm going to hit is uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 14. I think this is the most profound one of all. It says, and do everything with love. How much more simple can you get than that? So I wanted to bounce through those really quickly just to make the point of God's heart for us is to love people well. But in my experience, truly loving people well can be one of the hardest things that I feel like I'm good at. It can, you can, I, can, I can easily trick myself into thinking, you know, I love people well. I'm, do any of you feel that way? Like, you raise your hand if you feel like you generally love people well. It's okay to raise your hand. Yeah. And odds are you probably do. But I doubt that you love people as well as you think you do. I would say that's probably for most anything in life. You're probably under what you think you are in here because you're not self-aware. It's almost like when you see a picture of yourself. Does anyone hate looking at pictures of themselves? If you can't see because you're on camera, Miss Lisa's raising her hand really high. (laughs) She hates. We try to sneak in pictures of her everywhere as much as we can just because we know she doesn't like it. But um, it's because you, it's a different perspective. You don't see yourself like that. And when you look, you're like, gosh, do I really look like that? So if you could step out of your spiritual shoes and look at yourself, there's probably a lot of those areas where you're like, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. And then you'd see the photograph and you're like, oh, that's okay. I have a little excess there. I need to cut that off or, you know, I need to, this is my good side. Don't see me on Tuesdays, that kind of thing. Um, So it's really easy for me to stand up here and say, you know what? Here's a bunch of scriptures, love people well, but how do you do that? I, I, I remember asking the Lord, like, how do I love people where, love people well, and I'll get into more of that in a second, but I want to break this down into three weird, easy steps that I came up with. And these are not all the steps. These are not all the ways you can love people well. But for me, this is how the Lord was speaking to me this week about loving people well. So number one, how do we love people well? I was asking the Lord, and I just skipped the page. Here it is. Eat love, which sounds really weird, but I'm going to say it again. Eat love. I remember um, riding in my car, and I was 
somewhere on the other side of town. I, I don't know if Rural King was there yet, but it was where Rural King is at, which rural is a very hard word for me to say, just for all of you out there who have trouble with that. You're not alone. Rural King, I was in my car, I was driving, um, I was either listening to a podcast or a song, or I, you know what, I don't actually, maybe Sierra was driving and I was reading my Bible app, because it feels really weird to say I was driving and reading my Bible app, because I specifically remember reading this. Anyways, I was in the car and I was reading or listening to uh, scripture or something with it in it. And uh, next time I should probably verify the details of my story before I stand up here and tell them to you. Um, but I was reading it, and this is, I want to read to you what I read. Because it was in the message translation, which I normally don't study by. It's very poetic, and I love it. I write a lot of music to it, but, um, or use it for when I write songs. But I don't generally study by it. But I read this. It's Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and I'm going to read verse 43 through 47. It's a tad, it's about a paragraph, so just bear with me. But this is what it says. You're, you are familiar with the old written law. Love your friends and its unwritten companion, hate your enemies. So he's saying you, you know that people have always said love, love your friends and hate those that you don't like. Um, but I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, and then for then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish, to everyone regardless, the good and bad, the nice and nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Does anybody else feel like Jesus, like, I don't know if I can say this, like smacks them in the face sometimes when, when they read the Bible or just like, okay, that wasn't real received. Maybe he doesn't do that to you. When I read the Bible, sometimes it's like the Holy Spirit's going, Hey, like pay attention to that. Focus on that. Step on your, that's what you guys call it. Stepping on your toes. You ever had your toes stepped on? Wear steel toed boots when you read the Bible. Um, but no, listen to that. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? <laughs> And I know that those weren't Jesus' literal words as far as how we say them in English, but anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. And then it ends with, in a word, what I'm saying is grow up. You are kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Oh, even reading that now, the Holy Spirit's like, grow up. I hate, I don't like hearing grow up. My parents used to tell me that when I was a kid, you know, with different things. Well, you just need to grow up. And then I was like, I will never say that to my kids. And then they whine about something, and I'm like, just grow up, you know. Anyway, um, so when the Lord says that through that, I read this translation, and I was like, wow. And so I want to point this out. It says, um, you can find it somewhere in that paragraph because they're not, labeled like normal scriptures, but it says, let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. I remember when I was reading this, I was driving in my car or I was riding, we can't remember, but um, I was riding in the car, I was reading this, we were at a stoplight or something, and out loud, I remember reading that, let them bring out the best in you, not the worst, and I was like, oh, that's kind of hard, and instantly the Holy Spirit was like, it shouldn't be, well, he didn't say it quite like that, but I have the microphone, so I can add effect to it. But I did. I was like, man, that, that seems really difficult to do. And the Lord was like, but it shouldn't be. 
And I don't know about you, but when the Lord corrects me like that sometimes or he says something in opposition to me of what I'm thinking, I'm normally like, whatever, like, okay, explain that or, you know, stop talking to me. Um, But no, correction is never fun. Correction, it's just not for me. Correction is never fun. But the Lord corrected me and said it should be. It should be easy. And after about a minute of me feeling hurt and pitiful because, you know, I was, I felt corrected, I was like, all right, Lord, then why should it be easy? I don't understand why. It's not easy. I don't feel like it's easy. It's easy to put on that, like, fake face and be like, I love you. But deep down in my heart, there are people who've hurt me, and there are people who've disappointed me, and there are people who have nasty hate in their heart, and there are people who do unspeakable things to other people, and there are people who have hurt people I love, and there are people who don't deserve forgiveness. When I got down to it, that's what was in my heart. There are people who don't deserve forgiveness. And the Lord said, it should be easy to love them. And so I said, okay, God, if it should be easy to love them, then why? why how, how is it easy to love them? And I, some of you may, I may have said that, I know I've said this before. Some of you, this may be a repeat, but it takes 18 times for you to get something in your head. So watch out for 16 more times. Um, I said, Lord, how is that easy? Why, why are you, I don't understand. I'm having trouble with this. And I instantly saw in my brain, I didn't see it out in front of me, literally, probably, if, especially if I was driving, so I must not have been driving. Um, <laughs> I saw in my mind's eye a big sponge, like, you know those sponges, and this one was the one with all the holes in it, like the big car wash sponge, but it's got all the holes in it, um, and I just saw it being wrung out with, with water, and I was like, okay, and this is all within like, you know, five seconds in my head, but it takes longer than that for me to communicate it. But it was being wrung out with water. And it was like the Holy Spirit just instantly illuminated in my heart, you know, why it should be easy is because if you're filled up on me, then no matter what squeezes you or what puts pressure on you or what force is placed on you, then the only thing that can come out is me. And I was like, oh, it's that kind of, it's that kind of conversation, isn't it? Lord, um, apparently y'all don't communicate with Jesus like I communicate with Jesus. He's a little more modern with me, I guess. I don't know. But I, it, I, I felt, I repented in that moment and said, you know what? That's exactly right. It's when, when, when you take a sponge, I'm sorry I keep doing that. When you take a sponge and you dip it in water and you pull it out, you can like gently press on that sponge and be sweet to it and speak words of kindness to it and water is going to run out of the sponge because that's what's in the sponge or you can take that sponge and like beat the tar out of it and slam it on the ground and call it names and stomp on it and rip it in half and what's going to come out of it water because what did you put into it water so the holy spirit said to me it's your your external circumstances the way people treat you what they've done to you what they say about you who they are to you that doesn't That cannot determine what comes out of you. The thing that determines what comes out of you is what's been put in you before that moment. And when I say that and when I preach that at you, I am like pointing that back at me because you know how much, I think in today's world, it is a lot easier to fill up on junk. It's like we have so, like Netflix junk food, Hulu junk food, Facebook junk food, Twitter junk food, Snapchat junk food. Like it's all, and maybe that's, that may be TikTok. (laughs) Lord, break the holds of TikTok. Um, 
And I'm not just speaking that to the, well, I guess I am considered the younger generation. But anyways, I'm, I'm 27, for those who don't know, in case you were wondering. Um, I don't know. What would, Pastor always talks about gun smoke. Gun smoke, junk food. Maybe that's your junk food. Um, tabloid junk food. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to go back a little bit, you know. Uh, one of those phones that has the cord that hooks into the wall, gossip, junk food. I don't, there's so much stuff. I'm, I'm just being funny, but there's so much stuff you can fill up on so that when pressure comes and when life comes and when, when things that squeeze you come, that like, oh, I've been, I've been watching a Netflix series where people are screaming at each other. What comes out? I start, I, I just get angry or I react. And so I'm not saying that those things are bad. They can be. I'm not, I'm not preaching at you to say like, rid your life of everything that's not godly. Well, actually, that is a kind of a command. I don't mean it like that. I'm just meaning, <laughs> didn't think that one through. But I'm just meaning, like, I'm not saying stop doing anything fun, live by all the rules, be a good Christian. I'm saying when you fill up on those things, that's what's going to come out. You get what I'm saying? Have I nailed that into you? Have I hammered it enough? Cool. So what I'm saying is eat love. There's so much other junk you can eat. And like I said, this is like, I need a mirror right here preaching this to me. But eat love. What does that mean? It means eating the word. How do we do this? Time, time in the word, prayer, worship, sermons. Our sermon engine is online at legacyfamily.info. You can browse to your heart's desire. Shameless plug for that. Godly relationships, life groups, church. There's, there's an endless list to that. Um, laying in the floor with worship music on. I think sometimes when we say worship, we, we tend to like think about singing and being here, but Worship is way more than a song. It's a lifestyle. I'm not going to get into all that, but just practicing worship throughout your day, being cognitive of God, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself on that. So I'm just saying, fill up on those things. Eat love. Eat the word. Eat prayer. Eat worship. That sounds really weird to say, but you get what I'm saying. Fill up on that because when someone rubs you wrong, when you have a situation where someone misuses your trust or abuses you or lets you down because we're all human, and the most perfect person in this room is would let you down at some point or another, and you're gonna get hurt, and you're gonna have, you're gonna have your trust broken, and you're gonna have those things happen to you. It's just part of life. It's part of being human and imperfect. And on this side of the Jordan River, you're gonna have that. So you can tell I grew up Southern saying that, can't you? I'm a I'm a homegrown Pentecostal boy. Um, but yes, okay, so eat love. Secondly, and that was, my, that was my main point. I might go through these next few a little quicker, although I am watching the clock, and we're not that far into this. We've got about four more hours. So there, <laughs> just kidding. Those of, you who, <laughs> those of you who don't know me were like, oh, dear Lord, we're going to have to sneak out and like ding-dong ditch this sermon. Um, but anyways, um, I'm getting off track. Confess love. That's my second point. Confess love. So... Um, I wasn't much on, I didn't get taught a lot about confessing the word growing up, which is kind of, maybe I just didn't pay attention in church. I don't know. Maybe they did teach about it, but I don't remember that being heavily driven into me. I mean, we learned like, you know, the power of life and death is in your tongue, but that was just some weird, you know, Bible language thing that, okay, yeah, cool, that scripture. Um, 
And so I grew and and I grew up in a family and family. If you end up seeing this online, I love you very much. But I grew up in a family. Just thought I'd preface this with that. Um, I grew up in a family where it we didn't really watch what we said. You know, people would blow off in anger or they would just say, "Well, you know, so and so sick, so everybody's just going to get it. You just better prepare." Like it, it was just normal to speak those things. And if that's how you've grown up or if that's how you are now, I'm not condemning you. I'm just sharing my experience with you. I grew up around that. So confession wasn't really taught a lot to me. And we came here to Legacy. It's been six years, hasn't it? Six years. Yeah, six and going on six and a half years. Um, so I was 21 when we first came here. I was a, I was a young buck then. I'm an, I'm an old gizzard. No, no, I'm kidding. A whippersnapper. That's what I was. But... Um, I remember like this new, like Pastor Brett, I, if you've been here for any length of time, Pastor Brett teaches on words a lot. Ms. Keene has taught on words. Pretty much anyone up here has taught on words, and that's a big part of like foundational teaching here. And so when I started hearing that, I got really great at not saying wrong things. For instance, when we first came, I remember Sierra and I were in our little apartment over on Washington Street, and we had just had Zion maybe? or I don't know, we got pregnant with Zion right when we came here because they were apparently praying for kids and we didn't know that was a prerequisite before we joined the church. <laughs> and since we have four more hours of time, I will pause and tell you that story. Not, th not that story, but I'm saying the story of what I'm talking about. I, we just joined the church and I was, I just, you know, joined the worship team. We'd been here for a few months and I was up here on a Sunday and it was Father's Day. It was June, Father's Day. So we'd been here for three months, two months, three months. Anyway, that, that doesn't matter to the story. It was Father's Day, and we were up here on the stage, and I remember Pastor Brett saying he was ending service, or I don't know, it was one point in service, and he was like, we are praying for babies. We've been praying for babies since we got here. And I, we already had one, and I was 21, and we had only been married for two and a half years, three years almost, which, yes, I did get married young. If you're doing the math, I was 18 when we got married. And Leland, anyway, there's no math needed. Um, we had just had Leland. He was like seven, eight, nine months old at that time. Maybe he was older than that. I don't know. Nine months old. And pastor goes, we've been praying for babies. We're loving, we're just expecting God to multiply our kids and all this stuff. And I, from the, I'm not kidding. This is true. It's hundred percent true. Just ask her after service. I'm standing up here behind the keyboard. And at that time there was like this big partition thing around it. So I could kind of hide. And, um, I locked eyes with her and I, and I didn't even think about being on stage and people seeing me. I was like, we need to leave this church. Like, that's what I was like. We, we need to get out of here. And uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. And I was being funny, but I was being serious. Because, you know, Leland was a handful. Y'all, Leland didn't sleep. If, if we had had our second child first, who was an angel, and then had Leland, we wouldn't have three. Balin just would have had to stay in, in heaven. We just wouldn't have even, we'd have been like, nope. It is, it is, we are, we are burning something. We are, we are making a blood covenant with the Lord right now about no more kids. But anyway, um, we get out to the car after service and we're sitting in the car and Sierra hands me a Father's Day card and I'm like, ooh, a Father's Day card. And it had like a Reese's cup on top. I don't know. It was my first Father's Day card because, you know, we weren't pregnant the, the previous Father's Day and we'd, we'd had a kid between them. And so... I open up the card, and I'm reading it. It's like, oh, we love you. You're such a good daddy, blah, blah, blah. And I was blushing and feeling good. And then it was like, for this child and the, and the next one that's coming, and 
and I think it said something specific. She could tell you the specifics. She wrote it. I read it in a panic, okay? She could tell you. She was like, we should have kept this card, and we should have because I could read it to you now. But I remember reading that, and I, like, skimmed through it, and I was like, oh, yeah. And then I was like, wait, what? And I go back, and I reread this card, and I'm like, I'm, it takes us men maybe a second longer for stuff to settle in. And so it finally settled in, like, oh, she's pregnant. And I just kind of, like, looked over at her in the seat, and she was like, and I was like, I told you we should have left this church. I just told you too late. So anyway, that is the story of why we have three children, in case you were wondering. Um, yes, uh, three, three, and, three and none, unless the Lord, you know, makes us adopt or, or gives us a merry baby. I don't know. Um, but Lord, help me. Where was I? I've totally lost where I was stopping with that story. Y'all didn't know you were going to get your abs worked on tonight, did you? I was talking about number two, confess love. We, weren't, we just weren't taught those things. We weren't taught. I remember, oh, I remember being in our apartment. This is where that all started. We had two kids. We were in our apartment. And um, someone was like, hey, do you want to go to the movies? And I looked at Sierra, and I was like, well, we would, but we're too poor for that. That was kind of like this whole meme. I, I was. I was serious. I, we, we, were, we were kind of broke. You know, we were like, well, we paid rent, and uh, there went all our money. Um, and it wasn't even that much. But we were young. We were working, you know, low-income jobs. That's just what we did. We, we made a way. The Lord made a way, actually, uh, more times than once. But anyway, I remember saying that to her. And that was kind of, I don't know, those of you who use social media, around that time, that was kind of a funny meme. It would be like, you know, this could be us, but we're too broke. You know, like, and it's pictures of islands. So I was just, it was, I was being funny. But I remember hearing pastor speak on, words it was probably sometime after that but I remember the Lord took me back to that moment and said you need to stop saying things like that because that is not what I say about you and what you're saying either creates life or it destroys it so you have what you say what do you want and so I stopped almost instantly like I didn't need like the nicotine patches or anything I just stopped and I just I just I just quit saying negative things but you know what I didn't do I didn't say good things I just, I just quit saying the wrong things. And uh, even now, the Lord is still working on that with me because I think it's easy to keep our mouths closed, or at least maybe this is just me. It's easy for me to keep my mouth shut when I know I shouldn't speak. I've gotten good at that. But I haven't gotten good at taking, you know, the, the shifter out of neutral and putting it into drive with what God says. And it takes, I remember the Lord, it was probably over a year ago that the Lord spoke that to me. We were doing prayer in here, and he was like, you need to stop being Switzerland in your words. And actually, is that a true thing? Does anybody, like, whenever someone talks about neutrality, Switzerland always gets brought up? Okay, that's not just me. Good. Because I was like, maybe they don't get that. Maybe that's just weird. But he was, he, he, the Lord talks to me like that. He was like, stop being Switzerland in what you're saying to me. Because you're not saying the wrong thing, but you're not saying the right thing. So you're not doing anything. You're just... You're just sitting in the driveway, just being like, hmm, this is a nice car. I like the view. Wish it would change. Wishing doesn't get me anywhere. Anyway, I'm just saying confess love. If you don't feel like you're loving people well, speak like you do. Because there's power in what you say. Like, first, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I could. We have the time. But 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love chapter. It talks about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Take that. Write it down. Mark out love is patient and put I, I am patient, I am kind, 
I keep no records of wrong. Confess that over yourself because, as Miss Keene would say, it's your gospel. I love that. Puns are my favorite. Take your gospels, people. It's true. Speak that out. And it's not just like, it's not like a genie in a bottle thing, like rub the lamp and be like, oh, I love people. And then the next day you're like, oh, I love everyone. No, it doesn't work that way. But what you say is what you are. Doesn't it say out of, out of, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? Yeah. I think that works the other way too. What your mouth speaks is what your heart is full of. You can change that. It's just like an appetite. Any, go to any dietitian and they will tell you, you can change what you want to eat by eating what you don't want to eat for a long time, pretty much. That's, the, that's a free version for you. Um, you can change your appetite by eating the things that you don't want to eat and then your taste buds lose their... I mean, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing an app right now that's actually teaching me how to eat better. We can do that in a whole other story. But anyways, what, one of the things they taught me was that you were not born with a savory taste palate or a sweet taste palate. Excuse me. You were not born to like want, who else in here eats dinner and it's salty and then you're like, gosh, I need an Oreo with some cookies or, uh, wait, yeah, Oreos with some milk or cookies, you know, however. Yeah, you weren't born with that natural desire to have that. That was learned. You ate something and your body was like, oh, it's full of sugar. I want that again. And you just, did it again because it felt good. And you were like, yeah, okay, I'll eat another cookie. And then it became like your body wants this. It's the same thing with how you speak. You, you speak the things that you don't see until you feel the things that you want to see. That didn't make any sense. You speak the things that you want to see until you see the things that you want to see. I hope Is that coming across? I hope I'm making sense with that. Fill up, confess it. Confess love. Because confession is a powerful game changer and I'm still learning on that I'm still on this journey y'all those of you who know me intimately know that I'm not perfect and I'm still on that journey and there are still I shouldn't say that I've conquered the not saying negative things because I don't think you maybe you can truly conquer that there are still times that those negative thoughts will come out but I've learned to go you know what no I shouldn't have said that I take it back and I dig it up with the with the spade of the word that's what we'll call it I dig that out, I rebuke that, I'm sorry, I repent, I change my mind. Uh, and I actually have to say it out loud because as, man, Miss Keene, you have poured into me so much in six years, I can't even tell you. If you knew the amount of times that I said, well, you know, Miss Keene says, it's true. Uh, but I remember her saying, you don't fight thoughts with thoughts, you fight thoughts with words. And so you don't dig up your bad words with good thoughts, you dig up your bad words with good words. So... Anyway, that's a little side nugget for you. Um, and the last, the last point that I want to talk about, uh, the last way that the Lord was speaking to me to love people well is to uncover love. Uncover love. Um, ask the Holy Spirit to help you see people like God sees people. Have you, y'all have probably heard that song if you listen to any kind of radio. It was popular a while back. Um, I don't even know who it was from, actually, but um, it's like, give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see. He's talking to God. Give me, give me your eyes so I can see people the way you see people. Um, make If you're having a hard time loving people well, or, or if you're saying, God, I want you to show me in my life where I'm not loving people the best that I can, because there's got to be somewhere. 
there's there's got to be somewhere that you can improve. None of us have ever hit the mark of Jesus. That we're we we have Jesus on the inside of us, but we're all still growing. I'm just I'm I'm saying, uncover love, uncover love. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you see people the way He sees people. Uncover the truth about God's character, and in, in His Word. Um, the last scripture I want to go through is Ephesians chapter 5, and it's verse 1 and 2. This is also from the message. Um, and it says this, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Now, when I say all of that, or at least for me, it's easy for me to look at myself and be like, wow, I am doing a really bad job of loving people like that. Maybe you don't feel that, but maybe you do. Maybe you're hearing this and you're going, it's not to condemn you. God's word is not to condemn you. His word is to pull you into who you were created to be. So don't let it condemn you today. Let it pull you into, you know what, Lord, show me where I'm not loving people well. And it, you may not even be aware of it. There have been people who have come to me and said, you know, you did this and that really hurt me. And I was like, I had no idea. I, I'm so sorry. I did not mean this that way at all. Probably the person that I've done that the most with is my wife. I don't know why it's easier to hurt your wife's feelings than anybody else's feelings, but it is. Those of you who have wives know what I'm talking about. It's easier. I think it's because you're more you're more transparent or you let your guard down with your family because they see the all the ugly sides of you. But what I'm saying is there have been times that I don't mean to not love well. I don't, I don't, I don't set out on my day and be like, well, it's a Thursday and I just don't feel good. So I just want to, I just want to be mean to people. There probably are people like that. We actually, you probably thought of somebody right now. So just pray for them and be like, Lord, I'm sorry for thinking about that person. But like you don't, as Christians, most of you, praise God, don't wake up and be like, I'm just going to be the rudest I can be. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna beep at people in traffic and I'm gonna sling my coffee all over the place and I'm gonna slam my stuff down on my desk and I'm just gonna be rude. Like that's not your heart. But life happens and people make you upset and you know, things make you late and your toaster breaks and doesn't work and your toothbrush falls in the toilet and then you have bad breath all day. Like stuff happens. Stuff happens. Stuff squeezes your sponge. So really this was not to bring you anything revelational, like, oh the Lord said this. It was to make you think and to challenge you because you've probably heard all of those scriptures before. Maybe you have it, but most of you probably have. You've heard people teach on love. It's a given when you're like, um, tonight I'm going to teach that God wants us to love people. Like, okay, that's, that's the given. But I, what, I, I was like, Lord, I don't, what do you want to say? And I feel like it, it was not to... Uh, give you some revelation it was to um what's the word I don't want to use it's not encourage it was to inspire you inspire you to look at the Lord and say how can I love more like you how can I personify you 
better in my life? How can I truly walk in love? Because right now there's a lot of opportunities for you not to love people. There is a lot of, there's a lot of decisions happening that you may not agree with. There's a lot of people saying things that you may not agree with. There's a lot of people requiring things of you that you may not agree with. But you can always respond in love. You can always love them well. You can. doesn't mean you will. You will not be perfect at this, but you can love people well. So ask the Lord. Um, the last thing I want to share, and we'll, <laughs> we'll have a time for question and answers in case you guys want more. No. Um, and we'll move on. I know we need to pray for some folks, but um, the last thing I want to share, there was a post um, on Facebook and I was scrolling through it, scrolling through Facebook a while back, and I happened to come across this post. And Leslie, you can go ahead and throw it up there. Um, and it says, I'm going to turn around and read it because it's not back there. Um, Imagine the Christians Paul helped to kill, rejoicing as he enters heaven as their brother. That's how the gospel works. And again, God and I had this conversation for a minute where I was like, stop talking to me. Don't tell me what I know, Travis. Like, stop talking to me. <laughs> Jesus loves me. I just want y'all to know. He really does. And, and we get along. He knows, he knows my heart. But um, it stepped on my toes is what I'm saying. It, it was like, wow, am I really treating people that way? Does that mean I champion on all the, like, all the people killing people in the world? No. It means can I put aside what people have done to me because it says the oh it went away it says the people that's okay you don't have to put it back up it says the people that Paul killed rejoicing as he enters heaven now I will say there's a heaven side to that I don't I don't think there's room for hate in heaven so they do have an advantage on us let's just talk about that but I'm just saying can I love people that well can I see people enough can I see people like God sees people enough to say you know what what you're doing is horrible, and how you what you how blinded you are hurts my heart. But to know if they were to switch instantly and say, you know what, Jesus is the way, can we champion them? And I think I think your initial answer is yes until it's someone close to you that's hurt you, and then ten years later they haven't apologized to you and they've turned their life around, and they're living for God, and they're getting blessings, and you're like, well, they don't deserve blessings because of what they did to me. Because I've felt that. not Maybe not that specifically, but I've felt that kind of um, anger at people of like, they don't deserve that. But the Lord said, can you cheer people on? <laughs> My phone's ringing. I didn't put it on silent. Can you cheer people on? I don't get phone calls all day, and then I stand up here on the stage to teach, and someone's like, oh, I think I'll call him. I don't know. It is what it is. Can you love people well and cheer on your worst enemy? If your worst enemy were to turn to the Lord, could you cheer them on? So I just want to challenge you. I don't want to, I'm not here to bash you. I'm not here to beat you over the head with the Bible bat. Ooh, that's a good one. Beat you over the head with the Bible bat. I'm not here to do that. I'm just here to, to inspire you to look inside of you. Am I loving people well? Am I loving people well even though they don't love me well? And they may never love me well. And they may never realize that they're not loving me well. And I'm okay with that. Because that's what Jesus did. When they were crucifying him. When they were beating the life out of him. And when they nailed his hands to a tree. 
he was asking God to forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. And that's really, I'm even saying it now, that's really hard. But if you're full of God, it, it won't be. That will be your natural response, is to love them anyway. And it's not just because he was Jesus, because Stephen did the same thing. When they were stoning him, I think that's what they were doing at that moment. When they were killing him, he was preaching at them about how God loved them and wanted to save their lives and save their soul and turn them around. But, okay, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit just dropped this in me. It's not in your ability. It's the love that I'm talking about, it's not inside of you. It's not in your own ability because it can feel overwhelming. Like, I don't know how to love people like that. It's in his ability. Don't rest in your ability to love people well. Rest in his ability. The word says he shed abroad his love in your heart. If you have his love in your heart, then you don't have to strive to have his love because he already put it there. You just have to uncover it. You have to eat it. You have to confess it. Those things. So that's all I had with that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray just to wrap this up. And then, Pastor, if you want to come and we can we can have a whatever, a party. I don't We can pray, have a party, have a barbecue. Go out to eat. and I'm just kidding. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for this word. God, I thank you for the incredible opportunity it is to stand here and just speak what you've laid on my heart. Father, I thank you that you have already given me everything that I need, that you've given us in this room everything we need to love people well. Father, I thank you that you open our eyes to see those moments and those instances where we may not be showing the love that you've put inside of us. Father, I thank you that in those moments, your Holy Spirit is a, a, a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path, that it shows us the way to walk in love. Father, I thank you that you are such a loving and tender, correcting Father, that when we mess it, miss it and mess up, that you just pull us right back into who you are, and you teach us who you are. Father, I thank you that as we, as we meditate on this, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just make this come alive to us. Father, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for helping us love people like you love people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.